Hey, we're here. Hello, Hello. Nine Yards. Thank you for listening and subscribing and sharing and rating. And and please do more of that. Yes, we appreciate it. I mean, if you like us, if you don't, then I'm sorry. Feedback's fine, though. Yeah. You can improve, I'm sure. Surely. If, if, whatever. Yes, thank you, though, for listening. Some. Uh, What's this week's? This, Ray. Yes. Is punctuation week. Yes. And I think we could probably do several episodes on punctuation, and I didn't sure. even realize it. It wasn't even in my thought sphere, thoughtosphere, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then here we are. I I don't know. This seems, like, related. I enjoy this. I enjoy this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, glad we're doing punctuation, too. Broadening the horizons. And, and it broadened my own horizons because i don't i didn't realize any of this stuff it's some some of these things you just don't think about it you just go yeah yeah that's that symbol and i use it here and that's the end of that but no it had an evolution in time yeah it became what it is yeah nice yeah you just like here this is what we use to stop sentences it's a dot at the end that makes sense yeah, like you, but why? like like you had some sort of, you know, bronze relic from I don't know the 1500s, and you were using it as a doorstop. Oh, you just didn't like know a what, hidden treasure. Yeah, you didn't know what what you're just kicking around on the floor all day. Nice. And uh, well, I'm excited to hear what you you have then because that's awesome. I know, right? <laughs> nice. So I'll start us off if you're cool with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to start with ampersand. Ah, yes. Nice. Ye old ampersand. <laughs> I do enjoy the ampersand. Okay, to me, it, it was just like, a, you know, that squiggly S that meant and. Okay. But no. <laughs> so so here we go. All right. And, oh, I'm going to start us... Um, like some of my favorite books will start out, or movies, I guess, you know, with the uh, some sort of bit at the beginning that is like, whoa, that's something, and but I don't know where we are. And okay. then, you know how, how yeah. they do. That's, mm, that's do. some of the best stuff. Grabs you. That's your good writing right there. <laughs> so sometime in the uh, late, early 18th century is what I mean to say. Okay. English students were taught to use this phrase per se in a specific way and i've come to realize i don't think i'm using per se right we use, yeah. <laughs> we use per well, se all the time like mm-hmm. i don't really necessarily have a stapler per se right but what the hell am i saying right uh right. you might and i might say that and mean i have these clampy things um well that do it's kind of like it'll hold some paper together I might use it like that. I don't have a staple. You know what I mean? But, uh-huh, right. But anyway, so these students would use per se um, to single out an individual letter uh, usage. For instance, if you were going to say, I will be at the party, you might say, per se, I, that's me alone, I as a unit myself, will be at the party. In front of the... In, fr- in front of it. To make it like differentiate it from the like a word I or I don't know differentiate it, but to be in 
exclusive and relegate it to simply meaning it alone. Oh, okay. Or, or in the I case, I alone. Okay, gotcha. Not what I was thinking. Um, so now let me, let me jiggle the camera <laughs> back to the ancient Romans. Star wipe, okay. Yeah. Ancient Romans would write in their scrolls, whatever they were writing sure. on. Sure, papyrus. Yeah, let's go with papyrus. <laughs> they picked up on using one of your favorites, cursive, because it, you know, it, it helps speed things along instead of, um, you know, you sort of like flow one into another. Sure. So you, you'd be flowing. Lots of flow. And they had a word that meant and. Okay. That was spelled E-T. And they took to scribing those together. And they combined mm. E and T mm-hmm. into a figure that looks a lot like the classic versions of what we call an ampersand today. And if you can dissect yeah. some of those in your mind, you could sort of see it. Yeah. I use like the cross one. Like when I write an ampersand, because I don't use cursive, it takes forever to write, I understand. But I use like a plus with a loop on the side of it. That's kind of like an ET almost. Like you're saying, it sort of looks like that. I can see that in there. Yeah. Not the S-shaped one per se. Oh, see? Uh-huh. Oh, what's happening? Let's see. <laughs> Even the, if you look at a lot of them now, you'll see the E-T in yeah. it. And if you don't, then the font designer just didn't know what they were doing. They should employ oh, nice. some wink at the E and T. And here's another new one to, to my uneducated self, yeah. ligature. So I always thought that was something you tied around a guy's leg that was bleeding. But mm-hmm. I use in, it to hold my reeds on my mouthpiece. Right? Mm-hmm. But in script form, it's common to use when two letters are tied together to form a new thing. Mm-hmm. So that E and T tied together by the ancient Romans is a ligature. And and as an example, Caslon, C-A-S-L-O-N, is one of the classic typefaces that shows an ampersand being all that it can be, uh, you know, representing. Nice. <laughs> I, that's, represent. that's some good research right there. Yeah. The best ampersand. Caslon. Caslon. All right. Moving along, ampersand as it was, the E and the T combination is is extremely old mm-hmm. and and there are evidence of it uh, found in five different examples at least of uh, graffiti on a wall in Pompeii from the first century yeah but then this guy in the 50s Jan Chickhold, he he wrote a book they're calling a booklet but I saw the thing it looks like a book to me <laughs> it's called the ampersand its origin and development. And this guy spent a lot of his wow. spare time throughout his life to collect the history and hundreds of examples, I believe, of ampersands through time. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Nice. So we have that. <laughs> yeah. Nice documentation of stuff. When's the movie come out? I know, right? But so here's the thing. We used to have 18th century-ish 27 letters in our alphabet, and the ampersand was 27. Wait. Now, remember, at this time, the ampersand meant and, but they didn't call it ampersand. They just called it and. 
and it was the only character in our alphabet that did not represent a speech sound, uh, but yet it was considered a letter of the alphabet, letter 27. Yeah. And now I'm going I'm to remind you how I started this thing out, because school children in the 1700s were taught the alphabet in this way okay where they would say say they finish the alphabet okay they're uh-huh. reading w x y z uh-huh. and per se and oh. they they read w x y z and per se standing alone and <laughs> and then you know how we do yeah and Per right. se and yeah. became ampersand, ampersand, which means nothing except it means and per se and. And per se and. Yes. <laughs> it's gorgeous, right? That's nice. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. And that, Ray, yeah. is the history of an- ampersand uh, in a consolidated amount of time. And per se and. And per se and. and Isn't if, that great? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's, uh, yeah, nice. And somewhere along the line, it got, hey, we don't need this as a 27th letter. It's just a damn thing. And so... (laughs) Just get out of here, you. Yeah, we quit using it. (laughs) But we still use it, but we have no, like the doorstop I mentioned, we just have no real appreciation for where it came from, you know, but there it is. Huh. I'm not saying we, I'm sure some of our listeners already knew this, but... Sure. You know, I don't I don't know stuff. No, we're learning along with people. Yeah. Huh. Nice. So what do you have? And per se and, and per is se and. a nice I mean, yeah, that's nice. It's a portmanteau of those words, I guess. S- slow slurring them all together. If that's what that's called. Yes, which is what my punctuation mark is as well. Let's hear about it. I pick obscure things to research sometimes just because I enjoy them and I want to know things. And this, this one is concise, um, but still I was glad to do it. The punctuation mark is the intero bang, which is a mark that isn't very popular. It doesn't sound popular. It's not popular. Um, it is the mark that is like a question mark with an exclamation point in the middle of it. So it's all one mark, but it's all a question and a and a bang, an exclamation at the same time. It sounds like you cut your forehead hair into a question mark shape. <laughs> tarot bang. Nice, like a Riddler costume, maybe. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Who uses this thing? Well, I mean, me and maybe like 10 other people. Come on. I don't know. Probably more than that. But it's, it is... Interesting. When when do you like because oh, okay, you. I will finish a sentence yes that has surprise elements but is a question. Right, that's And I'll use both exclamation point and a question mark. And in wouldn't it be nice if only someone had combined those two? Be handy one. on occasion, yes. I use it in that way as well, but I don't believe that we're using it as intended by the creator. All right, let's hear it. But I, I use it as like a shocked indignation almost, or like a, what? Get out of here. But is that how it's supposed to be used? N- not from what it says, no. So right. I, I'm using it incorrectly, which was, you know, you got to take the information you learn and you got to go with it. You can't 
toss facts out just because you don't like them. Right. Um, but this word, interrobang, is uh, a merging of the word bang, which is another name for the exclamation point, just in general. Is also called a bang. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, and the Latin word interrogatio, meaning to interrogate. I mean, that's <laughs> that one know. we could work out. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, it was created in 1962 by Martin K. Speckler, and he was a man about the advertising industry. In the late 1950s through the 60s, he was president of Martin K. Specter Associates. <laughs> and I saw he handled promotions for uh, the Wall Street Journal, National Observer, some other, like, you know, yeah, big accounts at the time. And journalistic accounts. Yeah. But essentially, he invented this mark um, in 1962. And it says in his obituary, because he's famous for this. I mean, and I guess whatever. But it says, the mark is said to be the typographical equivalent of a grimace or a shrug of the shoulders, applied solely to the rhetorical when a writer wished to convey incredulity. Incredulity. Wow. So it's it's made to me a shrug or like a, hmm, like a meh, almost. Really? That's what I'm reading it, right? Why like, do... Like, you, like a, it is kind of a disbelief because the example they give is like, you call that a hat? kind of thing so is it more like a huh uh, it, it, what it says is a grimace or shrug of the shoulders so i guess that's a shrug uh-huh you would sh you would like raise them up like, yeah but it doesn't sound like the words he's using to describe it <sighs> this is the man's obituary i yeah i so i always thought it was like a again that shocked questioning thing like what are you sure that's what he said and then, you know, you're raising up and you're asking a question. <laughs> but this is more of like a disbelief and kind of a, yeah. Yeah. That's can I find this on my QWERTY keyboard? No. you. I made a shortcut. You can make shortcuts in the future uh, or the present, I guess, is where we are. Yeah. Um, All time is now. On your devices that will let you copy-paste a character in so it'll auto-replace if you were to write question mark exclamation point it will auto complete it to an interrobang and i have done this on my my devices yeah that <laughs> takes some yeah i understand but this is who i am no <laughs> um so it is a shrug of the shoulders equivalent to a grimace uh, yeah that's the interrobang i think we all should you know, explore the use of this thing. I, think <laughs> I agree. If we all just started using it, some other people, hey, that's just not how you use that thing. We'd get some more feedback on it's it. It's true. If if we, right, the, if we get it out there in the masses and everyone gets exposed to it, yeah. we'll figure out the real. Martin K. Speck, Speckler? Specter. I wrote both. I got two Specters and one Speckler. Crap. Huh. Well, R.I.P. Yeah. Martin K. Of that agency. Thanks for the intero bang. All right. And don't grimace and shrug at our ads. <laughs> we'll be right back. Support Whole Nine Yards and make your life easier with Instacart. Online grocery shopping made simple. Instacart connects you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores in a single order. Products you love from local stores, hand-selected based on your preferences. Many items may be delivered in as little as an hour. Instacart helps to save you money on your favorite items and recommends new products that you might also love. Instacart, the most convenient way to shop. Whole Nine Yards is sponsored by the Roberto Clemente Museum. 
Located in a restored engine house in Pittsburgh's revitalized Lawrenceville neighborhood, the Clemente Museum is a showcase of the largest exhibited collection of baseball artifacts, works of art, literature, photographs, and memorabilia related to Roberto Clemente and his life in baseball. Shop the store for clothing and other items featuring the iconic 21 logo and purchase tour tickets for the museum at clementemuseum.com. Enter promo code W9Y21 for a 10% discount on hats and tees. That's clementemuseum.com, promo code W9Y21. Whole Nine Yards is sponsored by Big Science Music. Big Science Music is a can and one show award-winning original music and sound boutique, providing scoring, sound design, radio, podcast, and audio post-production services for the advertising, film, and video industries. Big Science Music also offers ADR, casting, and project management. Big Science Music's reels, full capabilities, and more can be found at bigsciencemusic.com. That's bigsciencemusic.com. All right. So, yeah, Clemente Museum. How yeah. about that? And Instacart. The Insta- Instacart thing. So back to some punctuation, Ray. Punctual punctuation. Yeah. I am going to uh, get us back going again with a question mark. Classic. Right. And what song had a band that has the word question mark in the band name? What song had a... What? Yeah. Wait, what? Are you uh, asking me? What song had a band? <laughs> <laughs> so 96 Tears was a question mark and the Mysterians. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't even understand the question still. Wait. <laughs> but go ahead. I lost. I got it. I got the buzzer. It's just G and G minor. Okay, so... I... <laughs> question nice. mark is what I have, right? Question mark. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I had to resort to some good old-fashioned books. What? Too, in a lot of ways, because you don't realize it, but you try to get some online information on a question mark. Yeah. It's like trying to throw away a garbage can. It's like you can't (laughs) You write a sticker with trash written on it, and you stick it to the can, but that's not doing it. No. And you you say, what is a question mark question mark? (laughs) It it, It just sends you in a bad loop. But but I oh, got no. my information. Like dividing by zero ends the universe. Okay, cool. Nice. Right. That's a way to go. Way to overcome. Yeah, adversity. So what I have here, I'm going to tell you. Let me start you out with a couple of possibilities Ooh. that we're still hemming and hawing about. There's one right there. It is... Alleged and proposed and supposed that in the Middle Ages, people who wrote things would write at the end of a line that was a question, they would write the Latin word for question, which was quaesio, which is Q-U-A-E-S-T-I-O, quaesio. Like the whole, okay. And then... Uh, people believe that people got tired of writing a whole <laughs> word at the end of a sentence. I'm done writing, I got to write more. Yeah, if you're writing, a, yeah. So they they wrote uh, Q and O. It was like that's enough. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's a question. <laughs> we, we got the gist right. Everyone knows. And then as time evolved after that, they would stick the Q over top of the O, 
and it would be like one of those, you know, if you had if you had some of that swirly penmanship writing you a nice card or something, it would that cue with that big circley dot under it. So that's what it would look like, and it and it morphed into the modern day question mark. However, For top, gotcha. Yeah, you know what I mean. No, I gotcha. Did yeah. I say that? Back no, no, you did it right. I was thinking like literally over it, but no, you meant like on top of it, which is what you said. Yeah, you're good. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, semantics. I'm visualizing. So yeah, uh, but there's no documentation. There's no uh-huh. none of these scripts that would have been written like this. Do we have? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so we can't say that that's it. No proof. Then another one that probably will make a great uh, little ad for whole nine yards this week mm-hmm. is um, this idea that the Egyptians were the ones that not only came up with the question mark, mm-hmm. but also the exclamation point, and that both were based on a cat's tail. So an inquisitive <laughs> cat yeah. would have its tail curved up, and you could see a question mark right there, right? Yeah. And then so an alarmed cat would have his tail like straight up, right? You know what I mean? Like maybe his eyes were the dot or his head. I don't know if you're seeing it from the front. All right. So... You're going to be all right. But again, how do you know? No one documented that, said, hey. Right, think? this is what we did. Yeah. Yeah. So let me fast forward now. Right. Or I don't know if it's fast forward, but it's, it's you know, continuation of the story. So okay. we're third century BC, Egypt. So yeah. this, is, this is the time that they could have been dealing with, with a cat tail as the symbol. Yeah. But there was a fellow you may have heard of, learned guy that you are uh, all right we'll see aristophanes oh i've heard that guy's name sure sure and this fellow he apparently was some hot shot where they kept books and he had to deal with the books which yeah. were scrolls yeah at the time and he <laughs> had had about enough of this habit that his people had of writing when they'd write Mm-hmm. They would just run everything together. There was no oh. <laughs> no letters, the in, no spaces between the letters, between words, no oh. nothing to designate the end of a thought, nothing. It was yeah. just letter, letter, letter. Mm-hmm. And so the Greeks did this and uh, wrote like this, but they f- they felt like, hey, we we speak. and we give stump speeches and we're great at it. Mm-hmm. And whatever you have, written down in those scrolls it doesn't matter like we'll figure it out we don't need to that, that's great that everything runs together but aristophiles aristophanes mm-hmm. he did not care for this at all <laughs> so unorganized they'd give these speeches but if some part of the speech had to come from a written work like the person had to have the scroll in advance and pour over it for a long time so there was no expectation for anyone to be able to take here yeah. I'm gonna hand you this scroll and yeah. we're in front of people read it <laughs> you, just, you can't right like you you need time to like go what in the and and work it out to figure out your own this is what I can't understand yeah. why, why this wasn't just obvious like hey we need to hey can we figure this out before now <laughs> and leave a space at the end of this but no I guess they, they didn't so Aristophanes Aristophanes I can't get that guy um <laughs> He said nuts to this. Yeah, nuts to that. And and developed these system, although it was, it was a, 
was a loose system. Oh, yeah. But any system was better than what they had. Sure, just random letters on a page. Yeah. Well. So he had the, he came up with these three dots. And if you can imagine a period yeah. where we see a period usually, okay. and then one sort of halfway up where you might put a hyphen, okay, and then one uh, higher up yet where you might see an apostrophe. Yeah. But it was all just a dot. So we, he's got this idea that there will be this subordinate, intermediate and full what he what he suggested they were oh. and he called them the comma the colon and the periodos damn i know and they were supposed to indicate different breaks and yeah. that sort of thing obviously right. the way we use a lot of different symbols now mm-hmm. uh but okay that worked for a little bit and then the romans took over and 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 they said nuts to the dots mm-hmm. so they abandoned that hmm did they replace it with something, or they just like kicked it all out? They kicked it all out, <laughs> and and most people seem to think that indeed uh, Greeks and Romans in that time, if if they had to read something, it was you had to sit through a bunch of muttering, yeah. like uh, you, someone had to just anyway. Oh, like out loud? Yeah, people because would just be reading through. Like, oh, hand, this is the part I meant. <laughs> if I handed you this thing and said, "Read this to me," right. you'd be. It's just a mess. You'd you know? have to, right? <laughs> so I think it's coming up. <laughs> now we have uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth centuries. Uh, uh, Christianity brings uh, books uh, more into the importance, and so as books become more important, this whole business of just running letters together and sentences together just has to go, mm-hmm. and yeah. and the speech takes a back seat. So sometime in the 600s, 7th century that would be, right? This mm-hmm. this fellow, Isidore of Seville. Okay. He reappropriates Aristophanes' dots, but he he sort of perfects them a little more. Ooh. And he brings back and they're called the subdistinctio and a comma <laughs> and a distinctio finalis which has got to be the period, period. right? Well, it Except seems. it's not low like our current day period. The distinctio finalis is floating up in the air somewhere. Like in the middle? Yeah, but like that. it still made it, it made its point, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> so later on, 8th century, this fellow, Alcuin of York, uh, is an English guy. Okay. He says, that's, that's great there, what you did there, uh, Isidore. <laughs> like what you've done here. But I'm going to add some stuff to it. And he adds... A bunch of different pieces, and one of them is the punctus interrogatavus. Intera, you get what I'm saying. The Latin. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a point of interrogation, but it looks a devil of a lot like what we call an exclamation point today. But yeah, it's not the same. It it was their question mark, mm-hmm. and it got a lot done for them because <laughs> you know all those years of muddling through, and now all of a sudden. Yeah. We got this going on. And then finally, by the 17th century, it, it gets its curve and it gets some English rules. And it is not till the 1800s that it's called a question mark, but it was, it was a fundamentally a question mark since uh, the 1600s. So it went from Aristophanes to Isidore, or Isidore, however you say that, mm-hmm. and Alcuin through time, through those centuries, mm-hmm. 
all of those guys being sick of muddling through sure. scribble. Right. So nice. And then one little aside is because I it made me wonder. You know, I don't have another language. I tried to learn Spanish once. I should try again. I, I see that question mark in the front of mm -hmm. sentences, so I looked that up. Like, what's that called? Can't figure out what it's called. If somebody knows, please, because, again, throwing out the garbage can, you can't search it. <laughs> so they did the smart thing. They did it with exclamation points, too, which was you turn it upside down at the beginning of the sentence. That's That way you know you're reading a question mm -hmm. or a s surprising right. statement. Yeah. Before you start reading, instead right. of instead of Get putting it. that thing on at the end, and going right up her sweatshirt, <laughs> yeah. so you put that on there. But so that's a long-winded story about the question mark. Nice. Yeah. That is a that is a tale. Yeah. As old as time, it turns out. Well, let's not get crazy. <laughs> so what we do you just, have? We just had a string of letters on this page. Good luck, everybody. Yeah, that's how it was, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, listener mail? Listener... Feedback? Listener, listener feedback. Listener thoughts. Lovely. Uh, listener thoughts. Yeah. Yes. Great. Harold tweeted us at our handle, at whole9yardspod. Harold says... From a fellow word nerd, could you possibly check out the probable etymology of the cribbage term muggins? Your investigation into shebang was great. I thought it was oh, I thought it was of Yiddish origin. Oy vey, I was farmished. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, Harold. And yeah, muggins. How do we use muggins? I don't. I've only heard it. I mean, not in this way, but I heard it in Elf. He gets called a cotton heady knitted ninny muggins, nitty muggins, right? Oh, maybe. But I don't, I don't know this term. That so might be part of it. We'll have to look into that. Thank you, Harold, for tweeting at us. Yeah. And I've got some listener mail interactions, feedback, whatever we just said. What did sure. we say? Thoughts. Feedback. Thoughts. Listener thoughts uh, via the email. Email says, Kevin here. Would like to hear your take on wonky. First time listener, long time submitter. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Kevin. Wonky from Kevin. Yeah, wonky. That, I mean, we know right. how we use it. It's unstable. But where, why and also, do we use it? it? It means you're good at something, too. It means like unstable, right? Because we say wonk when we refer to an expert, I feel like. I don't know that usage. Wonky always just means a little sure. iffy. Okay. Iffy. I built that wall, sure. but... <laughs> I know those those feelings. Yeah, but All thanks right. for thoughts from our listeners. We appreciate them on uh, on Twitter, on email, on Facebook, on Instagram, wherever. All yes. of the places. Social meds. So that's whole nine yards for this yes. week. Thanks for listening. We put a punctus infinitus on Bang. that. And um, yes, uh, email us. Hey you. That's yes, why not you. and per se. You, hey you. Per se. Right. Alone standing at whole9yards.org or check us out at um, whole9yards.org online. Yeah. And uh, give us your thoughts, comments, suggestions, or relative criticisms like Kevin and Harold. We'll look forward to hearing yes, from you. Yes, thank you. I'm Jay. And I'm Ray. And we're, we're not, not idioms. Whole Nine Yards is written, recorded, and produced by Big Science Pods. Learn more at whole9yards.org 
or contact Whole Nine Yards by emailing heyyou at wholenineyards.org. That's heyyou at whole9yards.org. Whole Nine Yards theme music composed by Big Science Music.